Hello and welcome to the podcast English for Life in the UK. This podcast is for those people who want to improve their English by listening to native English speakers talking in an everyday way about a range of different subjects. Today I'm joined by John. Hi John, how are you? I'm good Mark, nice to see you again. Likewise. And uh, today we're going to talk about regional accents. Now, as with most languages, there are different accents in different parts of the countries where that language is spoken. So it's partly to do with the geography, where people are in that country, but it also is influenced a bit by things like social class, people's educational experiences as well. But you do get distinctive accents. And certainly within the United Kingdom, there really are a lot of different accents. So today we're going to talk a bit about those. We're going to illustrate some of those accents. I've managed to have conversations with people with different accents. And I have found some clips that we've been able to use to illustrate some of the different accents that we've got. So that's the idea behind today's episode. And we're starting with John. So, John, tell us a bit about where you're from and, and what your accent is. I'm, uh, I was born and raised in the West Riding of Yorkshire, so the west part of Yorkshire. And I have quite a strong West Yorkshire accent. Um, even within the county of Yorkshire, there are, there are several different accents, even within Yorkshire. So there's a kind of West Yorkshire accent, mine. Uh, the South Yorkshire accent in Sheffield, for example, is very strong, very distinctive. Uh, places like Hull, Middlesbrough to the north of the county, all have very distinctive accents, even within our county. So it is even possible for people from our part of the world to tell where somebody is from to within perhaps 10 or 15 miles due, due to their accent. Yeah, I think probably for most people who are not native English speakers, we need them to just pick out some of the significant differences. So certainly I would say, John, you have a classic Yorkshire accent um, that would certainly be recognisable to somebody like me who comes from the south of England and has an accent kind of around the London area. I'll tell you a bit more about my accent later. So, John, just tell me, I know you've got a really good story to tell. And it seems to suggest that the Yorkshire accent somehow helped to win the Second World War. Explain <laughs> that one, John. <laughs> That's quite a bold claim, Mark. But yeah, it, I, I came across uh, a very interesting story when I was doing some research about the, the history of Halifax, um, which obviously is where we're based, at St Augustine's. Uh, and this centres on a man called Wilfred Pickles. Uh, he was uh, a, a working class man from Halifax. Uh, he was born and raised just a few streets away from St. Augustine's, next to the current um, Calderdale College in Halifax. Um, he, he was the son of a builder, and he got his first job when he was 12 years old. So obviously a working class family in Halifax. Uh, but Wilfred was always interested in uh, drama and the stage, things like that. Um, and he went on through his, uh, uh, his drama career to eventually work for the BBC. Now, he initially worked on the Northern service where his Northern accent wasn't too much of a problem. Um, but 
as the, um, the on the advent of World War II, uh, um, obviously, as you will know, the, the German armies, the Nazis armies, um, conquered France, Belgium and Holland, uh, and they were then able to broadcast directly to the people of the United Kingdom, which was a very big problem for obviously for the British authorities during the war, because the German propaganda were coming over the radio waves, interfering with the message that the BBC wanted to send to the British public. Um, and one of the problems they had that the, the German broadcast was speaking in what we would call the received pronunciation. They'd perhaps learned their English prior to the war at the universities in the south of England, and they were able to imitate the traditional uh, BBC sounding voices. Um, so in order to counteract this, um, a, a fellow called Brendan Bracken, who was the information minister, suggested that they should use a regional accent. And that the accent they chose was the Yorkshire accent of Mr. Wilfred Pickles, um, because they were convinced that the Germans and the German propaganda agents, would, well, they would be able to imitate the received pronunciation, the standard English. There's no way that they would have been able to imitate a, a broad Yorkshire accent. So Mr. Pickles went on to read the news uh, and read all the, the news bulletins on the BBC National Service. And this was a, an idea that, you know, that people would understand his, his broad Yorkshire accent, but that the German broadcasters would not be able to imitate it. Uh, so he carried on broadcasting. Um, it did cause a little bit of consternation and some upset. There were quite a few people who were writing letters to the BBC complaining that this broad Yorkshire accent were broadcasting news at the time. But um, he did very well out of it, did Wilfred. He went on to be a very successful broadcaster, not just during the war, but after the war. Um, effectively, he be went on to become the first game show host. Uh, and he broadcast game shows, um, things on BBC radio for many, many years after um, World War II, with sometimes audiences in excess of 20 million, which is kind of amazing when we think about that today. I don't think there'd be anything on the BBC that 20 million people would listen to. Uh, also went on to have a, a successful film career, uh, starred in a particular a famous film called Billy Liar, um, which was uh, set and filmed in Bradford. So yeah, a, a Yorkshire accent contributing to the, the victory in World War Two. So a nice, a nice story. And very nice that, as I said, he was born and raised just three or four streets away from, from our centre, St Augustine's in, in the north of Halifax. Yeah, that's a lovely story, John, and one that I didn't know before. Um, so tell us, is there anything else you can tell us about the Yorkshire accent that uh, you think people would be uh, interested in? Well, as with, I think we'll also be talking about the, the Liverpool accent a little later. The Liverpool accent was was heavily influenced by, by Irish immigration from the, the, the mid 19th century onwards. So the Liverpool accent is very distinctive, almost in some ways closer to an Irish accent than a, a traditional Northern English accent. Um, similarly, from uh, from the other side of the UK, um, the Yorkshire accent has, has always been influenced over the centuries, uh, initially from effectively the Viking accent. So many of the words that we have in our dialects, the way we pronounce things, um, are related to Norwegian and Danish. So, for example, um, if I were in an informal way of saying thank you in Yorkshire or the Northeast, I would say ta. So instead of saying thank you, I'd say ta. So that's from the Danish or the Norwegian, which is tak for thank you. Uh, another word that we used to use as children growing up in Yorkshire 
instead of saying playing, we'd say laking or lekking. Uh, and again, that is from the, the Norse word leka to play. So our accent and our dialect is shot through with um, lots of influences from, from the Scandinavian languages, which were, you know, which were prevalent in this part of, uh, in this part of the UK hundreds of years ago. Um, one of the things uh, that people in other parts of the UK, and particularly people who are new to learning English, perhaps struggle with, we use a lot of contraction in the North and especially in Yorkshire. So we would use something which linguists uh, refer to as the secondary contraction. Um, so in, obviously you don't say, I would not do that. You would say, I wouldn't. But in Yorkshire, we might say, I won't do that. So instead of, I shouldn't do that, you would say, I shouldn't do that. Um, quite often as well, we also, um, which something which quite often infuriates people in the rest of the UK, we commonly drop the definite article. So for example, if you, Mark, if you asked me what I was doing tonight, I would say, I'm going to pub. I would not say, I am going to the pub. I'd say, I'm going to pub. Um, so a lot of contraction, a lot of abbreviation. We also commonly drop our H's. So it would be very common for me to say, well, I'm from Halifax, as opposed to saying I'm from Halifax, or I'm going to Huddersfield, as opposed to I'm going to Huddersfield. So yeah, a lot of contraction and a lot of abbreviation. Sorry. That's really interesting, John. Um, yeah, one of the things I notice, um, particularly this is one of the strong differences between most southern accents and most northern accents is the way in which the letter A gets pronounced in some words as to whether it's a short or a long A. So I would say that uh, later on this evening, I'm going to have a nice hot bath. Whereas, John, what would you say? I'd say later on this evening, I'm going to have a nice hot bath. So the divide between those pronunciations between the south and, and the north. There is. There is. And I would say, um, in my youth, I used to I used to like to dance. For you, John. And I would say, in my youth, I used to like to dance. Uh, so we're going to go on to talk to a number of people from uh, different parts of the United Kingdom. So we've talked here about there is a difference in accent. So the accent is how the word is pronounced and how it is heard as opposed to dialect, and dialect is where actually the words change. So you end up with a new word or a modified version of a word, which is a distinctive dialect. So that means a, a, a language within the language, if you like, in a particular area. And we've got examples of both different accents and different dialects that yeah, we're going to illustrate in the next part of the podcast. We're going to be introduced to Brummies, Yam Yams, Geordies and Scousers, which will all be... We are, and, and, also, <laughs> and also we've got our, our friend, your, your friend and mine, John Christine, who is from Scotland. And I've managed to find a classic um, poem, uh, which was both uh, written by a Welshman and we've got it performed by a Welshman. And that's how we're going to end the episode. Fantastic. So thank you very much for your time, John. We'll speak again soon. Thank you. See you soon, Mark.
So in this next section, there are some short interviews and recordings with people from different parts of the United Kingdom. Listen out and see if you can notice the difference in the accents and you will also come across some new words and phrases depending on the dialect used by these people. And now I'm joined by Christine, who is familiar to many of you who are regular listeners of the podcast. But uh, for anybody who doesn't know you, Christine, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I am Scottish and I come from Fife. That's where I was brought up. That's just north of Edinburgh. Um, I have lived in England now longer than I've lived in Fife. In fact, I've lived in Yorkshire for longer than I've lived in Fife. So that means that my accent has softened a lot or changed a lot. I also, uh, because I teach English, I've got developed a habit of trying to speak quite clearly. I would say you still have a distinctive, recognisable Scottish accent, certainly to me. I think that's true. Certainly in England, people know I'm Scottish. Yeah. But when I go to Scotland, some people think I'm English. <laughs> so give us a couple of examples of Scottish phrases or sentences that might be typical. Oh, I don't know what to say, but I can think of things that are different here. I mean, I say, oh, I'm, I'm often late, haven't I? Uh, whereas you would say, I'm often late, aren't I? So we actually yeah. use different grammar. I mean, there's the corny ones, ridiculously corny ones, like it's a bra brick moonlich nicht nicht. Nobody ever said that. But you say bra, that's awfully broad when you're saying something looks nice. Yeah. And, it, you know, and if it's bright, it's bricht, you know. Yeah. And you don't talk about lakes, you talk about lochs. So that was Christine with her Scottish accent and some Scottish phrases. You'll notice particularly when she said, oh, I don't know what to say. Well, the oh there is a very typical Scottish exclamation. It's a, it's a, it's a surprise um, and it doesn't mean anything. Uh, it's just used in the same way that I might at the beginning of a sentence say, well, I don't know what to say or oh, I don't know what to say. Uh, she uses och. In this next section, I talk to uh, Bernice and Eddie, who come from the northwestern part of the United Kingdom, one of them from Manchester and the other from Liverpool. Right. Hello. Well, welcome. P perhaps you two would like to introduce yourselves. OK. My name's Bernice Hayes. I'm a volunteer at St Augustine's. We deliver food and I'll hand over to my husband. Hello, good afternoon. My name's Eddie and I'm also a volunteer at St Augustine's. And where, where are you two from originally? Uh, I'm from Manchester, which means I'm a Lancastrian. And I'm from Liverpool, which means I'm a, a Liverpudlian or a Scouser. If you've got something that each of you could say that illustrates your accent? Yes. I'll go first, if that's OK. That's fine, Bernice. OK. 
It's cracking flags and I'm sweating cobs. <laughs> That's great. Do you want to explain what it means? Yes. It's very hot outside, so I'm perspiring. <laughs> That's right. That's great. That's a really good one. A real, right. real, Mancun got... real Mancunian phrase. Have you got another one? I have. Uh, wait a minute. Oh, Mecca's a brew. I'm spitting feathers. <laughs> now, I have no idea what that means. Make us a cup of tea because I'm very thirsty. <laughs> right. Is that okay? That's great. Thank you, Bernice. Now, Eddie, what about you and your, your Scouse accent? Well, I really haven't prepared any uh, phrases or sayings. I've got definitions of different words uh, and how they're used uh, by Scousers. Um, things like um, if you were calling somebody who's a friend of yours a little bit silly, or you're just charging them, you'd call them a soft lad. It's not an insult to say uh, you're a soft lad to a friend, but if you're calling somebody you didn't know a soft lad, it would be quite an insult to say they're unintelligent. A mother, a grandmother, or a, a, a female teacher, anybody, a woman of authority, yeah. uh, friendly to them, they are a queen. Yes. Right. Yes. So you would say, hello, queen. Are you okay? Yeah. Uh, hello, elder woman. Are you okay? But you say, in in, in Scouts, you say, are I queen? <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> I see you can you, you can right. you can you can put the accent on. You can make it a bit stronger when you want to, can't you, Eddie? All right, I'm dead good at that. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Thank you. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Anything you want? Any bit of wisdom about accents and how they change or? I just think it's really important to register them because yeah. I think it's it's who we are. Our accent is who who I am. And in, in my age, it was looked down upon to have a, a regional accent. So when I was at uh, preparatory school, we had elocution lessons. So that's how I have a, a hybrid of uh, Queen's English with a, a, a taste of Scouse. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think now it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because on the media and in other places now, they they actually make quite an effort to have different regional accents quite often now. But as you say, in the past, that was very unusual. In this next section, you will hear two women who come from the central part of England. We often call it the Midlands. One of them is from Birmingham. She also calls it Brum, and that is England's second largest city after London. And the other one is from what is called the Black Country, which is an area just north of Birmingham. But both of them are from the middle part of England. See if you notice the differences in their accents. My name's Tracy. I was born in Birmingham. Brum, as it's affectionately known, is one of the UK's greedy cities with over 8,000 acres and 600 parks and open spaces. The city hosts over 50 festivals each year, including the Mosley Folk Festival, Flat Pack Film Festival, Fierce Art Festival and the massive Birmingham International Jazz Festival. My name's Leanne and I live in Dudley, which is part of the Black Country. 
people living in Birmingham refer to black country folk as yam yams because they say yow am or yow meaning you am or you are. <laughs> Next we have an interview done with a man from the northeast of England around the city of Newcastle. People from this area are known as Geordies. What did you want in your home when you were setting up home in the early 60s? I th I th it's, you know, it's funny, but the kids know they want everything straight away. We were happy to get a few sticks of furniture and pay weekly for it. And then a bit, bit carpet and you rented your house and you'd never, ever thought you'd buy a house. I mean, that seemed... Nobody bought houses in them days. And we got all bits of furniture. And then, then we got a black and white television, which we rented. And that was a luxury. We were happy. You were happy with what you got because you knew no, anything else. You didn't have anything. So that was a Geordie accent. You may notice the way in which he said straight away rather than straight away, which is what I would say. And he says nobody rather than nobody. That recording comes from a series of recordings done by the British Library of different regional accents. And you can find much more of those at their website bl.uk. This next one also comes from there and is a Northern Irish accent, an interview with two people about discrimination that disabled people face. Again, listen out for the distinctive accents being used. Well, what about things like access? Because as you say, in a sense, that's covert discrimination. Um, and that, 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 that's a kind of ongoing issue really, isn't it? I mean, society is terribly kind of exclusive in that sense, isn't it? Thoughtless. Um, I suppose if people haven't come up against it, they're not going to think about it. Okay, so that's, let's put that on the table first. Um, but yes, you are right. I mean, society does exclude disabled people. And when we're talking about access, people get hung up on uh, wheelchair access and they think if they put a ramp outside the building and a disabled toilet, they have the thing sorted out. Well, that's very, very far from the truth. Because what about access to information? Like, for example, um, producing pamphlets on audio cassette for blind people. So that was a Northern Ireland accent taken from the British Library website. Um, they point out there that one of the distinctive things about that Irish accent is the way in which the letter R is emphasised in many words. So, for example, the speaker talked about first with a strong R, whereas I would say first and you would hardly notice the R in that, or sorted out, whereas I would say sorted out. So you would hardly notice the R in the way that I've said it after a vowel in Northern Ireland. They quite strongly emphasise that R. We're going to finish this section with one more 
accent and that is the Welsh accent coming people coming from Wales there is a Welsh language of its own but also when people in Wales are speaking English they do so with quite a strong distinctive accent what we've got here is a current Welsh actor called Michael Sheen reading a very famous poem by one of Britain's most famous poets, Dylan Thomas. And Dylan Thomas wrote this poem. It's called Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night in 1947. And it was about his father fighting, um, trying to struggle against illness to, to, to not die. Uh, don't worry about understanding all the words in this poem. Just let it wash over you, but also listen for the distinctive accents. Do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. The wise men at their end know dark is right. Because their words had forked no lightning, they do not go gentle into that good night. Good men, the last wave by, crying how bright their frail deeds might have danced in a green bay rage, rage against the dying of the light. Wild men who caught and sang the sun in flight and learned too late they grieved it on its way. Do not go gentle into that good night. Grave men near death who see with blinding sight blind eyes could blaze like meteors and be gay. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. And you, my father... There on the sad height. Curse, bless me now with your fierce tears, I pray. Do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Language support. This is the part of the podcast where I choose some words or phrases from the episode and talk about them. Now today I'm just going to focus on one particular phrase that John used because it's really at the heart of what this episode is all about. He was talking about the period of the Second World War when the BBC was the main broadcaster, the main radio station. And he said that they were using what he called was received pronunciation. And he went on to then talk about how Wilfred Pickles was chosen because he had a different accent. The phrase received pronunciation means the accepted or approved pronunciation. It's the form of English that would be most recognisable to most people. And it's 
often also referred to as BBC English because in the early days the BBC made sure that they used a regular form of pronunciation that most people would understand. It's sometimes also referred to as the Queen's English with the idea that the King or Queen would speak properly in a, in a standard way. These days we'd more often say standard English and uh, that's really to distinguish it from English with other accents and other dialects. Now if you listen to my voice I am quite close to what would be called standard English although I also do have some slight changes to my accent uh, due to where I was brought up. You would say generally that the southeast of England is the place where standard English is more, most commonly spoken. Um, London has a variety of accents and there is a very strong uh, central East London accent which is known as Cockney. Uh, and certainly I don't speak with a Cockney accent and that wouldn't be regarded as being standard English. Increasingly these days, the differences in regional accents and dialects are seen as just as valid as standard English. In fact, regional accents and those accents from a number of immigrant communities are widely celebrated and used these days. And on television and the radio these days you will hear a wide variety of accents being used. And that's why we thought this was a useful topic for this particular subject. Obviously we haven't covered English accents in other parts of the world. We've just looked at it within the United Kingdom and even here we've left out some important other regional accents but we've covered some of the main ones. Those of you who are regular listeners will be used to having heard John's Yorkshire accent, Christine's Scottish accent and my southeast or closer to standard English accent. I hope you found this episode useful. If you want to get the transcript for this episode and all, all the other episodes and to find out more about the work of our charity, the St Augustine Centre and how to support and help us, stay listening for the information about our website and email addresses. Otherwise, thank you very much for listening. I hope you found this useful and we will be back again with you fairly soon. Goodbye for now. You can get the transcript for this episode and all others through our website www.saintaugustinescentrehalifax.org.uk 
That's also you, where you can find out how to support our work, including making a donation. You can contact us by email. We have a specific email address for this podcast, which is English for Life in the UK at gmail.com. And there is also a general email address for the centre. Info at St. Augustine's Centre Halifax.org.uk. I'll spell out all of those. So the website S T A U G U S T I N E S C E N T R E H A L I F A X dot org that's O R G dot U K the email English for spelt F O R life in the UK and the general email info at is I N F O at and then the same as the website address. Thank you and be back with you again soon.